Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. Did you know that the Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the MCAT is now available in paperback and in a Kindle format? Go to mcatbook.com to check it out. Again, that's the Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the MCAT. This is the MCAT Podcast, session number 95. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by Brian Snedeker from Next Step test prep. And I'm excited to finally say that the pre-med playbook guide to the MCAT is available in paperback form and they're flying off the shelf. At least I think they are. I hope they are. <laughs> I know it will help you if you're just starting out on your MCAT journey. Go check it out, mcatbook.com. Today, we're going to jump into some biochem. So let's go ahead and say hi to Brian. All right, Brian, back for some more fundamentals here, this time with some biochemistry. Any specific information that we need to know before moving forward with our questions today? Um, nope. So this one again is uh, a little bit of a grab bag, a little bit of a little bit of biochem, and um, actually a little bit of bio, a little bit of research. Um, re- really, really a, a mix of things. All righty, I like a mix. That way, I can show that I don't remember anything about anything. <laughs> well, Socrates said that was the foundation of wisdom. Yes, I like it. Um, all right, question 28. Again, this is uh, session 95, so you can get the handout at themcatpodcast.com slash 95. You can download and follow along with us. Question 28, all of the following are functions of insulin except A, increasing glycogen synthesis, B, increasing gluconeogenesis, C, increasing glucose uptake by liver and muscles, or D, decreasing proteolysis. Um, so insulin is a fun one. I grew up with a, a father who was a type one diabetic, always taking his insulin. Um, so we know that insulin is, is secreted from the pancreas after, uh, meals and some sugar spikes in the blood to help get rid of glucose, help store it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so increasing glycogen synthesis when you store your glucose, you're making glycogen. So I'm assuming a is correct. Uh, and uh, well, a, a, a is is a true fact. A is true. Yes, that's what I mean. A is true, so it wouldn't be the answer here. Um, increasing gluconeogenesis. So this one is telling me it's increasing more glucose to be made. So this one to me sounds like a big red flag and and not correct. Um, well, it, a false fact, therefore <laughs> the correct answer. <laughs> a false fact, therefore the correct. Answer. I like your verbiage here, um, but I'm going to keep going just to make sure that Mm -hmm. I'm not missing something. So C, increasing glucose uptake by liver and muscles. That's exactly what insulin does. 
um, so would not be correct answer here. And decreasing proteolysis. If I were a student, I'm like, I don't remember what that means, but you know what? B just sounds too good to be true, so I'm going to pick B. Absolutely right. Yep. That insulin is the most powerful anabolic hormone in the body, right? It's, it's for building up big molecules. Uh, so glycogen is a big molecule, right? And it does that by taking up glucose. So A and C go right out. Mm -hmm. um, and anabolic is about building up big molecules. So proteolysis, breaking down proteins, that would be a catabolic process. Yep. Uh, so that doesn't work either. Um, and gluconeogenesis, I mean, that's the exact opposite of what insulin would do, right? Yep. Not Insulin is to lower your blood sugar, not dump fabricate and then dump more sugar into your blood. Yep. So that was absolutely right, B. All right. Okay, let's take a look at number 29. In order to ensure approval by their Institutional Review Board Ethics Committee, which of the following would cancer cell researchers need to obtain prior to testing human cell samples taken from cervical cancer patients? A, informed consent of the surgeons who removed the tumors, B, informed consent of the medical oncologists that were treating the women. C, informed consent of the women who had their cervical cancer removed. Or D, informed consent is not required because the samples were obtained during a voluntary procedure. So this one, I mean, to me, sounds pretty straightforward. Um, so obviously, informed consent is is everything in medicine these days. Um, and so informed consent of the surgeons, we don't really care about the surgeons. Um, they're human cell samples, and we always go to, as physicians, we always go to the patient for consent. Um, so we would need informed consent from the patient who had their cervical cancer removed. And obviously, this, this stands out. Every pre-med student should hopefully know uh, Henrietta Lacks and, and mm -hmm. what her cancer cells have done for research, um, and obviously a big ethical thing because she didn't give informed consent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I worked with HeLa cells myself back in the 90s as an undergrad. Oh, yeah? Had no idea what H-E-L-A stood for. <laughs> uh, and in fact, the professor I was working for didn't know what it stood oh, for. Oh, wow. It was just, it was just a, a part of the landscape in, you know, 19... 90, I guess it would have been 1995 or six at the time. It was like the weather. It was like, oh yeah, everybody works on HeLa cells. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it wasn't until I think probably what about the mid two thousands when the, the story really became a big news story about, uh, this woman who had made such a important contribution, but had never been asked. Yep. Right. Uh, and so, of course, informed consent more broadly, uh, Ryan, you said we don't care about the surgeons. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't I mean, care about the surgeons. Forget them. Yeah. Um, more broadly, you, you get informed consent from the subject of any study, of yeah. course. Uh, and so the, the, um, the woman who had the cervical cancer removed, answer choice C is absolutely right. Yep. All right, question 44. A medical student stubbed her toe and observed that there was a momentary gap between when she realized she had stubbed her toe and when she felt the onset of pain. She wondered if this might relate to a structural difference in the neurons involved in baroception versus those involved in nociception. Which of the following is the best hypothesis for explaining this observation? A, the neurons in the nociception pathway are not myelinated, whereas those involved in the baroception pathway are myelinated. 
B, the neurons in the nociception pathway have more dendrites than those in the baroception pathway. C, the neurons in the baroception pathway are not myelinated, whereas those involved in the nociception pathway are myelinated. Or D, the neurons in the baroception pathway have more dendrites than those in the nociception pathway. All right, so lots of words to kind of think about and worry about. Obviously, at the end, baroception, nociception. Um, I, so she stubbed her toe. She felt the onset of pain. Um, there was a gap between when she realized she had stubbed her toe and when she felt the pain. So she stubbed her toe and felt that first and then felt the pain after. So the baroception fired before the nociception. So nociception is pain, baroception, pressure. Yeah. Well, well wait, wait, wait. Just real careful there. The, 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 the toe hit the chair or whatever mm-hmm. at a certain point in time. Yep. So all the nerves fired at that moment. Yes. So you're not going to explain the, di- the difference by differences in when the nerve signal fired. Correct. What you what you what the question is clearly getting at is differences in conduction Correct. speed. Correct. Yep. Right. Yeah, and so conduction speed comes down to, um, if I remember correctly, myelination. Obviously, nerves are myelinated to help increase the speed of conduction, where that action potential jumps from the nodes of Ranvier uh, in between <laughs> the myelin. Um, again, just random random words pop into my mind. I'm like, oh, I remember that. Um, and so for me, I would look at the, the answers that have myelin in them and throw out the, the ones that are focused on dendrites. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that being myelinated increases the speed of transmission. And with the baroreception moving faster, we would assume that baroreception is myelinated, whereas the nociception is not. So... Um, Answer choice A, nociception pathways are not myelinated, whereas those involved in baroreceptions are. I would choose that answer A. Mm-hmm. For exactly right and for exactly the right reason. That when you stub your toe, that signal has to go from your toe all the way up your leg to your spinal cord. Well, of course, once it hits your spinal cord, it's myelinated, right? So it goes right yep. up to your brain. So that little you know, quarter second difference is the fact that the touch, the pressure, barrow pressure, right? That, that gets transmitted right up to your spine right away. Uh, um, and the pain takes a, a quarter second because it's not myelinated. So you stub your toe, you have just a moment to go, oh, fudge and then it suddenly starts to hurt yeah and a fun fact as for the the student as you as you go on this journey and you start to treat patients with with spinal cord injuries or some sort of nerve injuries so i have spinal cord lesions from my ms or whatever it is um and i have one particular finger that if i hit it with a safety pin like during the, the testing that a neurologist will do, they'll, they poke your finger with uh, a safety pin or something sharp. Um, where I have some, some weird sensation from where my lesion is, the, the pain takes longer to go through the lesion. And so it's very cool um, physiology to have that happen. And so it's just something to keep in mind as you're treating patients later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting you point that out, Ryan, because, I mean, you can hear stories like that, like yours, uh, often about, you know, folks who have the medical background themselves, either by some or another training or actually being doctors, 
who talk about being able to kind of view their own body through the lens of their expertise, Mm -hmm. you know, and it gives you a much kind of richer appreciation is not the right word. That sounds weird (laughs) and wrong, but let's say greater understanding, right? Yeah. To to kind of frame all those phenomena. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. I mean, we'll, we'll get a little personal here. So, so I have, I have three spinal cord lesions and I have facial symptoms. I don't have any sort of brainstem or brain lesions, but I have facial symptoms, which doesn't make sense um, because the, the, um, uh, the facial nerve is coming out of the brainstem, and so there should, obviously it needs to be something there. Uh, the trigeminal nerve um, has a spinal trigeminal nucleus. So the, the trigeminal nerve goes down into the spinal cord where I happen to have a lesion um, and goes back up into the face and serves some, some facial uh, sensory issues. And so... Mm-hmm. It's really cool anatomy um, to have a spinal cord lesion affect facial sensation. Um, and so I always joke about it. I'm like, and when physicians hear about it, I'm like, they're like, oh, that's interesting because they always forget about the spinal trigeminal nucleus. Um, mm-hmm. Even my wife, who's a neurologist, she's like, oh, I didn't know that. And now when people come in with facial symptoms, she always gets the, the cervical spine MRI too, just to make sure there's no, no lesions there. Um, mm-hmm. so I always joke, I'm like, oh, it's really cool anatomy. It just sucks that it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I could understand that. Yeah. But it, uh, obviously having illness as you go through this process, if you're a physician already or you're a pre-med and you are pre-med because you went through illness that it just opens your eyes to a whole different world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a, a, a relatively famous example of that. Uh, I think the book was called my stroke of insight where, mm-hmm. The neurologist had a stroke and could kind of conceptually understand what was happening to her symptoms and to her brain as it was going on, which she then talks about being, you know, therapeutic's not the right word, but in some sense therapeutic, right? Because it's not scary when when you know what's going on and you know you'll recover from it. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. All right, so there you have it, some biochem for you with Brian from Next Step Test Prep. If you are in the market for some full-length exams, go check out Next Step Test Prep and see that they have what I have heard from students as the best full-length exams by far outside of the AAMC. Go check them out, nextsteptestprep.com. Check out their full-length exams, the testing environment for the full-length exams is exactly the same as you will see on your test day, right? So there's practice makes perfect, but perfect practice makes perfect. And testing in that real environment is perfect practice. Your clicks, your highlights, everything is simulated exactly like the real MCAT that you will see at the Pearson Testing Centers. Or Pearson, as of this recording, is where the test is. It may change in the future, but as of this recording right now, that's where the test is. So Next Step Test Prep, they have up to 10 full-length exams that you can get. You can get the first one for free as well as a half-length diagnostic by going to nextsteptestprep.com, signing up for that exam, and use the promo code MCATPOD, that's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, to save some money on those tests as well. Hope you have a great week. I'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast where we talk about some psychology.